Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. I'm Chris Salamone from Four Eyes Furniture, and with me as always, Mike Montgomery from Modern Builds. Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Yeah. And Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. What's up? What's up? Let's hear we it. got a whole what's up from Ben Man. this week. Yeah. Wow. I was like, I thought he was imi- imitating those old Budweiser commercials Fe- or something. Feeling verbose. <laughs> More than a, it's a multi-syllable greeting from yes. Ben Ueda. Anyway, today is uh, Thursday, October 12th, otherwise known as National Gumbo Day. You guys ever eat gumbo? Never. I have. I've spent a, I've spent a bit of time in New Orleans, actually. New Orleans? Um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> definitely messed with some gumbo. I've never had it either. Me and Mike are gumbo virgins. I'm not a huge uh, seafood fan, but gumbo is something that always weirded me out. Craw- crawfish or crawfish are weird, man. Crawfish getting your craw. Yeah. Although, I mean, we would catch little uh, like little crawdads at the lake, mm-hmm. but I could just never imagine like putting them in a no. pot and eating them. See, but, yeah, you don't really do seafood. You don't really do shrimp, right? No, it's just you know living in a landlocked country. Seafood is one of those things that is like I know it's it's traveled a long don't way trust to get it. here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I don't mind like catfish and stuff like that. Some fried catfish is delicious. Maybe a chicken McNugget gumbo, if that exists. <laughs> Michael, go for it. I, I, oh man, I don't know. Why not? <laughs> I feel like it coming from McDonald's would make me trust it even less. McGumbo? <laughs> the McGumbo. That sounds exactly. like it'd be like a detective show or something. McGumbo. It, Next it, week it on McGumbo. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's get off of this, top, this topic and get into what we're working on. All right. You go, Chris. What are you working me? on? Me? Yeah. All right. Cool. Why not? So this weekend, I started building, almost finished with it, a bench for the dining table. Uh, it's a little different. I, I put a picture of it up on Instagram last week so people can check it out there. Um, I wanted to do something a little more robust. You know, I always get the label of making the furniture for skinny people. So <laughs> I wanted to do something that could hold up to some heft. So this thing's, it's pretty big. I, I don't know how much it weighs, but I know I cannot carry it into my house from the garage on my own. So I'm going to make sure I'm going to do the final assembly in the house, I think, so that I can make sure that I'm able to carry everything in there. But yeah, it's a it's a beefy project. I'll give it that. <laughs> Other than that, uh, let's see the X carve. So I got the X carve all put together. You guys remember my yep my trials yep. and tribulations with that. So it's, it's funny. It's fully functioning now. It's fully functioning. I think I'm so I'm at the point where I need to do the test cut. But I was like short on time. I was like, yeah, I want to wait till I have more time to actually do the test cut. And then if there are any issues, I can actually troubleshoot it at that time. But it's funny. So like a month ago, it turns out that when I finished putting it together the first time and I thought I had stuff wrong, I didn't, everything was right. And then I ended up just like creating a bunch of extra work for myself. So the, the thing that I thought I had wrong were the limit switches. I thought they weren't working, but it turns out, I don't, I don't know if this is just like the first time that it does it, but when they hit their limit, they'll kind of like hit the limit, maybe like two times it'll go like doop doop. And then it'll sense where it is and like calibrate itself or whatever. But I was afraid that like, oh man, it's messing up. And so I hit the emergency stop button oh, no. and then that's when I had that <laughs> whole trouble. Yeah. So if I just, if I would have known that going in, I wouldn't have done anything and it was actually perfectly fine, but that's yeah, live it's and learn, like, I guess. It's kind of like when you don't know if something's stuck, but you're afraid to push it any harder because all of a sudden yeah. the plastic's all going to snap off. Yeah. It's that thing where you're like, you're, you're trying to forcefully do something at the limit of not breaking it. So yeah, I was worried like, oh, I'm going to break this thing. So I just like turned it off as soon as it hit the limit the first time. But yeah, now, now it's good. So 
excited to make that first cut. Hopefully, fingers crossed. You guys can't see me, but I'm crossing my fingers. It all goes well, and then I can actually start making a project with it. Um, other than that, I got, I don't think I mentioned this before, but next week, so we'll do another podcast before that, but Johnny Brook from Crafted Workshop, he's coming out to visit me and we're going to build something together. So we're working awesome. on that, but yeah, I look forward to doing it. It'll be my second collaboration. Very cool. It's actually a good timing for the X card because for easel, which is the software, they just, uh, released the V carve capabilities with it. Oh, cool. And I got the V carving bit set. Yeah. So I'm so, ready to go. <laughs> I'll have to publish something in Easel that you can make. I have to make what you publish? Well, no, it's like, oh. uh, I mean, that's what's kind of cool about the Easel platform is that you can, if you're looking for something for that first cut, you can just oh, I see what you're saying. go from, online yeah. and like pull something from any of the published projects. And uh, it's actually surprisingly easy to do. And that's actually a good idea because then you're kind of taking out one of the variables of right. whatever is published. You know that the file itself is good. So now if something goes wrong, you know it's your machine and not either my machine or my file. Exactly. One less variable. And mm -hmm. in general, I found that uh, CNCs, or as they like to say, 3D carving machines, uh, <laughs> are, are generally much less error prone than 3D printing. Oh, well, I haven't done that either, but I'm sure I would screw it up. <laughs> nah, man, you got it. I got it. All right, what are you guys working on? I am... I wish I was in the shop more than I was this week. I looked at my <laughs> list of podcasts, and I can always tell how much time I've spent in the shop with like how long my podcast list is, and it's pretty long. Um, I've spent quite a bit of time organizing and trying to just finish the shop. Um, so I've been building the last few organization things that I wanted to get done. I got a cool like craft paper roll that I mounted to the wall. That way, anytime mm -hmm. I'm putting on like clear coat or paint, I can put that on my workbench and not have to worry about getting it all messy and whatnot. And then uh, a bunch of other stuff. But one thing I'm excited about, and I think it's going to work, a lot of people messaged me on Instagram after I posted it on my story saying that it wouldn't. But I think they're wrong. I like it already. <laughs> yeah, I was at Target. And it's something so small, but I was at Target in the in the dollar aisle. Or maybe it was Walmart. Yeah, because I don't think Target has a dollar aisle. And they had these like 12 <laughs> packs of fluorescent colored pencils. Just uh -huh. number two pencils, but they're like lime green and hot pink and stuff like that. And I'm pretty convinced that that is going to save me so much headache in losing pencils and stuff. Oh, you mean just having something that's brighter and yeah. like will catch your catch your vision more? Yeah, instead of being the color of sawdust. That's a good point. It'll be like <laughs> it'll stand out. So, I don't know. I'll let you know. Keep you updated on that. Uh <laughs> may or work. may not be the best dollar I ever spent. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, I am working on my first dwell video. I started that yesterday. It's just a this one's going to be a pretty simple bookcase, something that can fit in the entryway of my house and it should mm -hmm. work really good. I'm going to be making it or I'm going to be finishing it with some clear coat. It's just a a nice maple box out of plywood that's edge banded and has a cool base. I wanted to keep the box really simple and then kind of experiment with the base rather than making all of it complicated or all of it new. I wanted to keep the the idea of the the shelf itself pretty simple and then experiment with the base. That way it's kind of digestible, you know? It's not like yeah. taking in a lot of information at once. Let me ask you this. Would you, um, or what would you say, or is this a departure, would you say, from your normal builds? Mm, 
Or if it is, how is it different, I guess? I don't think so, because I could totally see this going on modern builds. The one uh-huh. different thing that I am doing is not using my pocket hole jig. Um, I like the idea of not having to buy a tool to complete the project. You know, if you have a drill and drill bits and stuff, then just use that. So my plan okay. is, I haven't done it yet, but when I assemble the shelves within the frame of the like outside box, instead uh-huh. of using pocket holes to attach them, I think what I'm going to do, and I've do I've done it once or twice before, is drill from the outside, but recess the screws with maybe a three eighth inch drill bit, and then plug those holes with walnut dowels. Okay. That way, it's kind of like a cool little aesthetic thing, uh, the the walnut against the maple, and then maybe I'm planning on kind of instead of just doing like three holes or three recessed screws along along the width of the of the bookshelf. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to space them kind of interesting. That way it's a cool little pattern or something like that okay. to make it look intentional or not intentional, I guess, but maybe kind of play yeah, into it a little part more of the design. Exactly. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I could totally see this project living on modern builds and not being a standout at all. Nice. What so. else? Was that all you were working on? Or are you done? <laughs> I didn't want to derail you too much. Sorry. Yeah. Are you so done are yet, you, Mike? Are you done now? God. Yeah, I'm Quit done. Quit flapping them gums. I'm them so gumbos. sorry. Ben, what are you working on, man? Let's see. I think I'm finally ready to start building again. Like, I'm all caught up on editing. I still got a couple more in the can, so to speak. Um, been uh, just uh, answering a lot of questions and comments from the, the solar shed still. That video is closing right in on a, on a million views, which is awesome. Blowing up. Nice. And... Uh, yeah, just uh, I, I'm sort of organizing, uh, or I have been over the last like three or four days, uh, the sort of just planning out the final push for 2017, which I can't believe is almost over. I know. And starting to plan out my sort of bigger projects for 2018, sort of travel, speaking gig kind of stuff. And uh, also the thing that I really hate doing, which is like archiving digital content. So. Uh, clearing off computers, reorganizing things on hard drives, and dealing with all of that. So uh, a lot of sort of like just maintenance, administrative stuff. I think the the, the thing that I just started, though, um, so I'll probably like this, right, today's, we're recording on a Monday. Um, this week, I'll start building a bunch of the stuff for Dwell. And the, the sort of head start that I got on some of that is I just put a bunch of steel wool in some vinegar to make a, a nice ebony stain because I'm going to be messing around with some blackened oak. Ooh, so, nice. Yeah, so I'm uh, uh, excited about that and also excited because I got a whole bunch of new camera equipment stuff that I haven't really tested. I mean, I, I mentioned before that I uh, uh, got a full frame camera. Mm-hmm. And then I also got the so I got two Sony mirrorless cameras, the A7 and the A6, uh, and a whole bunch of different lenses. So looking forward to to building and uh, taking some different still shots and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I got. I, I, I'm like like you, Mike. I'm excited to get back to to building soon. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Question for Ben. Yeah. So you were saying that you're kind of starting to plan out like what big projects you want to do for next year. Is that something that you do every year? You like, so this past year, did you know that you wanted to do the solar shed going yeah. into it? And that was like yeah. the big project for you. So for this last year, the, the, the big projects were the CrossFit gym. So for 2017, the way I sort of planned it was like, I knew I was going to do the CrossFit gym. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to do some welding projects. 
Uh, I knew I was going to do the sort of uh, wardrobe garden, and I knew I was going to do the solar shed. And those were the sort of, you know, big ones I was going to plan around. And then everything else was kind of interchangeable, depending on sort of sponsors or what I felt like or what sort of materials I had around. But right. those were ones that I had sort of on the calendar to, to that I was either curious in or I thought they would perform really well. So that's sort of how I'll, I'll do it. So for, for next year, I'm tentatively planning one that's really, really big, uh, you know, hopefully like sort of tiny house size. But uh, obviously that's going to take a lot of logistics, site, stuff like that. Um, but I'll try to sort of take, you know, a few of those really big projects, put those onto the calendar, um, and then mm-hmm. so I, I won't have to, like, suddenly drop everything that I got halfway going on. I'll know that it's sort of coming up and can sort of order parts beforehand and stuff like that. So, yeah, normally my, my goal would be to have, you know, anywhere from like three to five sort of bigger, interesting projects. If I do something the size of a tiny house or something like that, uh, I might only do like, you know, three sort of sizable projects. And it doesn't just mean like physical size. It could just be complexity um, or something that requires Mm -hmm. getting new infrastructure. You know, for me going to get a welder, figuring out how to set it up, that was actually really easy. Um, And just getting the new materials and then also finding uh, a new workspace for that and a new storage space for that all those things add additional uh-huh. time, even if the project itself isn't physically big. So I try to think of them as sort of like my R&D projects or the projects that I think are going to be bigger than take long and take longer than a normal one, but have some sort of bigger payback, uh, either creatively or audience uh, size wise. For something like the tiny house, and I don't know how much sure. you want to get into it right now, but do you envision something like that being like a series of videos? Uh, honestly, it'll depend on uh, sponsorship stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. it'll depend on whether or not I'm filming it or whether or not there's like a production crew and stuff like that. Um, either way I will most likely be in charge of production. So it won't be like, you know, some other crew is scripting it and doing it for me. I, I think unless someone really, you know, uh, comes with a pretty sweet offer and is someone I trust, uh, creatively, most likely I'm going to want to stay in charge of production. Uh, but yeah, so I think that would be, uh, you know, those things sort of remain to be seen. I, my general thinking is that I, what I think right now, and this is very subject to change, uh, that after doing the solar shed, I think sort of six, 10 to 15 minute episodes would, would be right for YouTube. Um, if we were looking at Netflix, then I would say more like six to ten uh, episodes um, yeah. that were like twenty-two minutes to half an hour long. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. So there's this there's this channel. It's the channel of a of a whiskey distillery out of either Scotland or Ireland. I don't remember, but they have this series. It's called Raw Craft with Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, and it's excellent. It's produced yeah. like what you're saying. Same way a TV show would be produced. All that except. They are about 12 to 15 minutes a piece instead of a standard show being 22 minutes. They cut them down and they do great on YouTube. So I don't see why something like a tiny house wouldn't do the same way. And then is that where it's like mainly distributed? Yeah. Is YouTube? yeah everything lives on the channel of this whiskey con- company. Country. Okay. I said country, but That's this company. Cool. But yeah, it's just whiskey a, it's country, just a YouTube yeah. channel. Uh, but anyways, it's called Raw Craft if you're interested yeah. in checking it out. It's, it's, it's excellent. That was actually going to be one of my sort of uh, obsessions slash recommendations. And 
most interesting, so I, I've, I've met with ZPZ, which is uh, Anthony Bourdain's production company, to talk about collaborating and doing some stuff in the past. Yeah. Um, and they're excellent. Like, from a production standpoint, they just do really great storytelling, mm-hmm. really in-depth work, have a ton of integrity. Uh, in fact, they just produced a really great documentary called Wasted, which is all about food waste. It's it's fascinating. Um so definitely, you know, Google that the the wasted documentary. Shout out to to ZPZ and uh, Anna Chai, who was the the director for that one. But uh, yeah, w- what's interesting about the Anthony Bourdain show is that that to me is is very much the future of of content. Yeah, uh, where it's better than most television. Uh, it sort of has a lot, it can be creatively driven. But there's a strong economic thing, like making documentary films. You know, any documentary filmmaker will tell you how it's like not a very lucrative profession. Well, branded content is the sort of some might say, uh, especially people with like a journalism background, that it's sort of a compromise thing because of the business model. Maybe, but you know, stop complaining then about not making enough money because this is this is the way to kind of intersect those two things: commerce and the ability to have uh, to to have sort of creative control. You know, there are a lot of brands out there that are that are really grubby and pushing their agendas. But a lot of the higher end lifestyle brands sort of realize that they just want to hire talented people, get out of their way and then be associated with really good creative work. Yeah. And that's the that's like the beauty of this show that Anthony Bourdain did is the company is called Belvini, Belvedine, uh, Belved. Belvini, Belvini, Mr. Belvini. I'm sorry, I wasn't. I'm not smart. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, people. I'm not smart. <laughs> but anyways, that's that's like the beauty of this show. They're like 10 to 15 minute episodes. Everything within these episodes, mm-hmm. all the information is what a 22 minute TV episode would have had. But it just strips away all the nonsense. Right. Yeah. So the the focus of this show is he goes around to people that just make things by hand. So he's done an episode where he goes to a someone that makes you know suits by hand guy that produces like a dozen suits in a year. Another guy that does boots, person that does mm-hmm. musical wow. instruments. And he just interviews them and then follows along the process of them making one of the things that they make. And then at the end, they wrap the episode up and they kind of like toast with a shot of uh, Belvini. And so that's like the perfect example of the brand is just getting out of the way. Yeah, They're coming in at the end to like reinforce like, yes, this is, you know, we're doing this so you drink Belvini, obviously, but... We're just going to let Anthony Bourdain be Anthony Bourdain, interview cool people, and then like stick our nose in when we can and not be like overtly, you know, advertising about it. Yeah. Yeah. Do do everyone in the comic goes, shill, corporate, sellout. (laughs) Yeah. But actually, (laughs) believe me or not, believe this, the very top comment on this one, it says, I have to say the product placement from the sponsor is classy. And then he goes on. But that's the top comment on the video. So. Pins? Well, they pin. That's they an inside that man. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> you would think, but it's really not. It's not pinned. <laughs> That's kind of interesting because remember, a, I don't know if people still talk about it, but a couple of years ago, it seemed like you heard a lot about people talking about a la carte channels, essentially. So like, you know, you know, your cable package would be a la carte. And I remember hearing a lot of talk about why that business model wouldn't work out. But it seems like now it's almost going to like leapfrog that and just go to could just be a la carte shows. Yeah, like the show is its own thing. Right, yeah. it just stands on its own. Or that networks don't even bother going to TV, you know? Like a network can just be like, okay, cool, we'll be on Netflix and we'll be on YouTube. 
we have no need to be on DirecTV or Cox or anything like that, you know? So Yeah, it's it's yeah. word up. Cer- certainly an interesting time <laughs> to be in in media. And it, it's funny, I'm still, uh, for some reason, well, anytime you do a video that goes beyond your normal audience, uh, yeah. you get a lot of people that come to your channel for the first time. And that, that happened with The Shed. And so people are like, uh, oh, what's with all this like product placement? And I'm like, you know, what a seller. I'm like, nope, that's consistent. That's I've been that way since day one. <laughs> yeah. I was born sold out. I'm intrigued by the the business strategy of the whole thing and 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 all that. So it was kind of funny to see, you know, some of those people going like, What? Is this everything sponsored? And then other people like, Yeah, that's what this guy does. Yeah. Everything sponsored. <laughs> um Let me ask you this, because I know we I know we talk about that fairly often on the show, but do you would you say the bulk of the people that find you that way? So the, say the new people who've just found you this last week because of the solar shed video, do they say like, Hey, this is awesome. Never heard of your channel before really digging it. Something like that. Do you get a lot of those kind of comments? Uh, I wouldn't say a lot. There's been 1400 comments, which is a lot or 1500 comments, which is a lot of comments, but that's still mm-hmm. disproportionate to the number of views, which is like right at a million. So again, I, I, yeah. I always am really careful to try to, as much as I can to hold things in their proper sort of scale. So uh, there certainly yeah. was probably maybe like 10 comments like that and maybe another 10 comments are like, wow, that's a lot of product placement. Um, but I, my my initial impulse is to say, yeah, there's a lot of people saying this. Because if you read 10 people saying that, the, the human weight of imagining that as an individual uh, seems like a lot. 10 people telling you the same thing in one day is a lot. But the analytical side of me still tells me, well, first look at sort of likes to dislikes, uh, which is like 30 or 40,000 to like a thousand dislikes. Um, and still look at just the view numbers and the share numbers. And I guess also another thing would be, do you see a lot of a big increase in views to your other videos, which would tell you that, okay, then people are seeing this and they're liking it and they're going on to watch other stuff. And and subscriber based in the last week, I think we've added like, 20,000 to 30,000 subscribers. Um, so again, it's like, yeah, and, and you know what's funny? I mean, this isn't just specific to YouTube. It's the ability to absorb critical feedback always needs to be weighted by not just the words that are being said, but the context of who's saying them, uh, how many supporting arguments they have, and are that is the person representative of a whole or is it specific to that individual? And, you know, before you take action or even before you indulge even in an emotional response within yourself, it's really helpful to try to place all those things into context uh, so you don't just fire back a tirade and belittle them, which I may or may not have done. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, No. Um, But, yeah, no, it's it's been – it it, it was definitely – the highlight project of the year so far for me. Um, and it's been just really fun. And just like the, the whole full circle thing of, you know, having started my post-college career with sustainability, solar panels and stuff like that. And then bringing that around, you know, all these years later is pretty awesome. And then from the outside, seeing it, seeing a project that big and a video that was, you know, that video had a lot going on in it and it was pretty long compared to most stuff to see it perform so well is also very, uh, encouraging for me as well so yeah it's uh 
I think the interesting thing this is probably the last thing we'll talk about sort of, you know, inside video stuff. Um, my, my guess is that I was right at the limit of information density for the length of a video before you start to need like a story arc. Yeah. Like I think at some point Mm -hmm. people can only, an audience can only take so much just rapid fire information coming at them. They need some drama. Right. But also I think, you know, too often in short format videos, at least from my taste and everybody's taste is different. Um, that sometimes people will try to cram a story arc into something that's too short or the, you know, the story isn't interesting enough to support it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I often see people that are, you know, are trying to sort of act like they're, they're filmmakers, um, but they maybe don't have an actual script that's interesting enough to support the, the apparatus of filmmaking. Yeah. You're um, talking about me, aren't you? Just, <laughs> <laughs> um, they think they can set up the camera and make it look real cool, but that's not going to do it. No, <laughs> because I would still say that With your, Cubs your, hat on. Your, no. your videos are less like movies and they're more like, I would say, diaries. Uh, they're, they're more like a, they remind me almost of like a cross between uh, like this old house and like MTV's real world kind of <laughs> I'll take that because at first I thought you were going to say diarrhea. I was ready for you to fire back and say, no, it's a journal, not a diary. (laughs) It's my Uh, live journal. But uh, yeah, well, speaking of that, though, I did have a meeting with uh, this old house people, and we've been trying to see if we can uh, have some sort of collaboration and stuff like that. Watch out. Very cool. Which is is awesome because. Move over, Norm. I'm. I don't. Yeah, Norm Abrams, huge fan. And uh, Kevin uh, uh, Connor. Oh, they're all in Boston, huh? Oh, yeah. It's, I think it's like one of the longest running shows and it's, it's, it's quality stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Chris, what are we talking about this week? You had the topic, right? I got the topic. All right. So we may have touched on this a little bit in the past, but I don't remember it. So therefore it's fair game, right? I think so. So. Yeah, I don't remember half the things we talk about. I know, honestly. <laughs> We've been that rush of adrenaline we get. <laughs> so at what point does a project become not DIY? So it kind of goes back to comments. And this is one of the comments that I get from time to time. And I actually, I don't get offended by this one because I think that there is maybe some, some, uh, I don't know, credit to it or some value to it, some truth. Sure. Um, and they'll say that because, you know, I might title a video DIY dining room table or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they'll say that's not DIY, but they're like, Oh, that's DIY. If I had a $50,000 shop. Right. And like I think that. of yeah. it logically. So to me, it's, I, I did it all myself. So, you know, DIY <laughs> yeah. should not be a, a comment on like the quality of something. It doesn't mean it's good quality or bad quality. And that's DIY. Yeah. To me, I think it's not DIY when you have like a team of people who have to work on, on something to create it. Or, you know, there, it's like you're a specialist in this one little facet of creating it. And then it gets passed over like an, you know, like a, an assembly line for a car or something. That's not DIY. But that's weird though. There is kind of an aesthetic associated with DIY or at least yeah, a, there is. a difficulty level if nothing else, right? So that's what I'm saying. Or I guess that's kind of the topic is where does that, where is that line? Where's the where line? does something become not DIY? Hmm. The right. DIY line. So first... It's, it's interesting to me that people get very heated about this thing. Mm-hmm. The way I look at it is, hmm, is this a legal definition that involves getting sued at, over or a breach of contract? Oh, it's not? Okay. So it's not serious in the business capacity. Right. Is this part of somebody's personal ideology or their religious belief where they're morally and deeply offended and wounded to the very core of their human existence by the mischaracterization of this term? Oh, it's not that. So then it's like, 
well, then chill the F out because like, this isn't a big deal and there's a lot of gray areas. Now, that being said, it's a useful term. Right. Um, it's obviously going to mean different things for, for different people. For me, one of the key distinctions, and I, I get this a lot because I mostly do DIY videos. The majority of my videos are labeled DIY. Uh, things like the Solar Shed, I don't label them DIY. And it's not so much because of the scale or cost of the projects because a lot, America in particular, if you look at consumer expenditure reports, they do a lot of DIYing for kitchen renovations, bath renovations. The reason why we have Home Depots and Lowe's and big box stores on like that, uh, and they don't have, you, you talk to somebody that lives in England, they don't have that. A lot of European countries don't have those kind of things because people don't build as much stuff and do those same hmm. types of you know, large scale suburban single family home renovation projects. So for me, it's not a cost thing. It's more whether or not there's professionals involved, right? If I'm involving sort of outside skilled people that do that thing from on, on a daily basis or even on, on a per hire basis, then no. If, if it involves me using a whole bunch of software that is that is somehow connected to my professional training, like 3D modeling, I tend to think of it not. If I'm doing something where the materials come from Home Depot, it involves circular saws and uh, uh, drills and orbital sanders, it's a DIY project. It doesn't matter if I built a per scale Taj Mahal in my backyard out of plywood. It's a DIY plywood Taj Mahal, right? Um, So it has to deal with more the accessibility of the components, not the scale uh, of which they're sort of implemented in. That's an interesting take because that was one of the things I not struggled with, but the mirror that I did, having the glass shop do the etched yeah. glass section where the LEDs were showing through, I did title it DIY simply because it's a great search term and it's going to help people see it. But And I've gotten a few comments saying, like, that's not DIY. You didn't do it yourself. Even though I tried many times you know, to do it as DIY as possible with the spray cans and all that kind of stuff. I still had to go to a glass shop and have it like special specialty ordered, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the rest of the project was totally, you know, I built the box, I ran the LEDs, I did all that kind of stuff. Um, that was one of the situations where maybe DIY was a little bit of a stretch, but I was aware of it and I just decided, hey, it's a good search term. I'm using it regardless. Yeah. Well, and there it kind of, it almost gets into another weird gray area of like, where do you want to take the definition? So, mm-hmm. you know, if you make something out of plywood, you went and bought a manufactured piece of plywood. Like you obviously did not right. make that yourself. And I, th- yeah. you know, that's getting a little wacky with the <laughs> definition of it, but, but I no, could see that where, but there you is know, a little bit of having a, to it. Yeah. Or having a glass shop, cut a piece of glass for you. I can see how that can still fit into DIY. Yeah. I mean, you can still go to, you know, Lowe's or home Depot and get a, a piece of glass cut. So, right. Again, this isn't like a legal definition, right? So right. it's by nature is one that's prone to gray areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because it's not that important to have a strict thing where, you know, it, it, it's funny how commenters uh, get so obs- consumed with labeling what they just watched. Right. Right. Uh, it's like this was this and you misrepresented it to them. I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I didn't because I didn't know you and I have no idea and nor do I particularly care what your expectations are. I care about you commensurate with, with, with what you represent as part of the audience. I care about the whole audience, not you and your overly sort of uh, uh, vocal sentiments. Um, so 
I care about what you are as that click and as that like and how you part of a whole audience that I'm trying to engage with. So for, for me, here's the thing, right? And this, this speaks somewhat to our previous conversation about prefabricated housing and how really everything is prefab unless you go into right. the woods with an ax and hand hew everything or you do what sort of primitive uh, technologies is doing. People ask me like, oh, uh, about my building. And I'll be like, oh, did, you know, when did you buy that building? I'm like, oh, I actually bought the land and then built it. Now, of course, I didn't build every part of it with my own <laughs> two hands. You built it? I, I acted as a developer. Right. And I hired a general contractor. And the general contractor, uh, who, who are friends, they're friends of mine, they're awesome people. They will say like, oh, we built this building. And we're both right, mm-hmm. right? Like as a developer, I built this building. I commissioned it and did the land. As a general contractor, even though all the general contractors, some of them only stayed in the office and didn't actually put their two hands on it. They still built this. They were still in that sort of role. No one person builds a building. So you can thin slice things all you want. Um, but if you're not doing it to a point that actually has either a legal or sort of like a, a, like a, a definitive sort of moral authority or some sort of conclusion, you're just wasting time arguing about gray areas. And when people sort of say, uh, uh, it's funny that people will ask you to think about their position. And they'll be like, oh, you did this thing where you have access to these things that I don't have access to, so therefore it isn't valid. They're accusing you and then perpetrating the same thing that they're accusing you of at the exact same (laughs) time. And most of the time, like the irony of that is totally lost on them. and, and, and that to me, like that level of just uh, of that lack of awareness to me uh, is just like astounding. You would think that if you were that dumb, you would just shut up and not expose it. <laughs> I will round out. I'll round out my take on it <laughs> with uh, this example. It, it flows with the whole prefabricated idea. And uh, it was either late July or early August. I built a reclaimed wood uh, dining table with a base from TableLegs.com. Yep. I used their uh, prefabricated uh, farmhouse base and built a reclaimed top for it. The top was totally DIY, but you know the base was obviously it was put together by me. I did that myself. Um, but aside from that, you know they did everything for the base. DIY. So, yeah, exactly. So I'm on that one, that. I did not title it DIY because I th- I thought that one was it was falling into the gray area enough that I didn't even I, it wasn't worth it to me to. Uh, title it DIY. You got any like that, Chris? Well, see, actually, what I was thinking about when you were saying that is, again, you can almost, and again, to Ben's point of it, just being a crazy gray area where there's no definition. Mm -hmm. So say that I made my dining table, right? And somebody saw it and was like, that's not DIY. Like, that's way too complex or whatever to be DIY. And then I said, well, but you could just go to this website and buy these legs and just screw right on. Yeah. Then they might be like, oh, that's more DIY then. Right. And that, so that's right. like the same thing that led you to make it not DIY. Yeah. There's the, there's like the two sides of the coin where it's like the accessibility doesn't make it DIY or the, the, the difficulty of the project doesn't make it DIY. Or the, exactly. And, and, and those are, that's the productive conversation. That's where I do want people to comment in. I want people to say that like, you know, to, to talk about accessibility, not the labeling. Mm-hmm. The minute you sort of try to say this, this is or it isn't, where you, where you propose a false binary option of this is DIY or this is not DIY, that to me, or this is woodworking or this isn't woodworking, right? To me, that is just unproductive and I'm, you know, don't have the, the I, I just don't want <laughs> to entertain those kind of stupid arguments. What is a really exciting o- argument, which is similar 
but if you are open to, to discussing it rather than uh, doing sort of overly simplistic declarative sentiments about it, is to say, how could this be more accessible, right? Yeah. How could they mm-hmm. do this? And so that, that starts with like the difference of when do you need a table saw versus when do you need a circular saw? You can do a lot of the projects with both. The circular saw lends itself to the more accessible side of the thing. And that's where we have productive conversations about uh, gray areas is where we sort of acknowledge the lack of absolute specificity, but then we start to identify within that that doesn't mean there isn't any directionality. There is still mm-hmm. a direction towards more accessible and, a, and or towards more affordable or towards more universally available or towards more regionally specific. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things are really great productive conversations, and I absolutely welcome uh, those because that's, that's exciting, right? Even just to know that like a donut in uh, Oklahoma is called a pirate or something like Long that. John. <laughs> <laughs> Long John. Long <laughs> John. Uh, right? That like yeah, that, that, that speaks to the sort of regional differences that are everywhere. Not to mention the sort of different lifestyle situations that we all find ourselves in with different tools, different skill sets, and all those. When I talk to, I have a lot of friends that are in like graphic designers and things like that. So to them, laser cut projects and CNC projects are very DIY because they have a huge amount of familiarity with like Illustrator and vector based, if not three D modeling software. So. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of graphic designers or people with that skill set. So DIY to them is very different than, than to somebody that grew up sort of uh, working construction or working on a farm. Yeah. So, so with all these things, it's, there, there is no such thing as absolute universality. And if there was, it would have too many redundancies or just be too, too simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the beauty of know, like there, what we're doing is we're showing people how we built it. Figure out how you want to build it, build it, you know, adjust this or adjust that. Right. Make it DIY for you, not right. DIY for. So, and if you wanted to, you could do these exact things that I'm doing and make it just yeah, like me. It's not exactly. like, you know, I have some super ability that other people don't have or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like one, one of my the projects I really enjoyed doing and it was, it was a while back is I, uh, I bought like a tea kettle that I really liked the design. It was one of those like stainless steel tea kettles that looks like a beehive. Oh, yeah. Um, and I use that because it has a really nice spout, which is excellent for a pour over coffee, which is my favorite way to make uh, coffee. And but it came with this kind of plastic handle, and I just didn't like the the aesthetic of it. So I made a new handle for it using just a drill. I carved the whole thing out with just a drill. And certainly I could have used a jigsaw, but like I don't always like using a jigsaw. And I, I can't remember. I think like I left it the jigsaw at like a different place or something, or it lent it out or something. Mm-hmm. So I just said I'm just going to do it with the drill. Um, so there's times where, you know, accessibility is really, really important. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'd say the, the interesting parts of that sort of DIY argument, uh, I think one would sort of be skill set. And for me, the, the most sort of the biggest step in that gradient of gray area would be whether or not professionals are involved. Yeah. So for the solar shed, we had Jason there who's a professional electrician and solar installer. To me, that takes it out of DIY a you know, little bit to the point where I would where I wouldn't use that sort of DIY term uh, mm-hmm. when I'm doing a project at the Autodesk build space, which requires you know, which is like a you know hundred million dollar state of the art facility. That takes it out of the realm of DIY, I think, safely. Um, but just because it involves a CNC, just because it involves a laser, and just because we're at a particular moment of time while we're seeing a trend that is going towards making these things more accessible. I don't necessarily feel that like 
anything with a CNC is not a DIY. Uh, I don't think that's like a fair statement. I imagine the people that make those statements had some uh, would have some statements about how Netflix TV shows weren't real TV shows back in the day. Right. <laughs> um, and they're very quickly being shown that no, uh, that's you know I think these networks are are winning awards at an alarming rate and producing some arguably uh, better stuff. So be really careful with the labels, but thoroughly and enthusiastically engage in the discussion about the areas that sort of define the parameters of a gray area. Mm. I will, uh, I'll round it off by saying this. I don't know. Have you guys ever seen the movie Ratatouille? <laughs> no, but I love the way you say it. <laughs> oh, well, that's one of my, my favorite Pixar films, uh, but basically in it. So the, the guy, he has a book, anything, anyone can cook. And so the point that he's trying to make is that a great cook can come from anywhere. Not that everybody can cook, but anyone can cook. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of the way that I think of the DIY stuff is it's not saying everybody can do this, but anybody can learn how to do it. Right. Yeah. And there's plenty yeah. of people out there who could do it. Right. And also so. from the egocentric sort of definition is that like, um, I did these projects myself. <laughs> so uh -huh. they are inherently DIY. Yeah. yeah that's I, always my response is, well, I did it myself. Yeah. So if I can do it myself, you can do it yourself. So. Yep, there's nothing special about me. All right. What are we obsessed with this week? Uh, I'll can, I can go first. Yeah, so go for it. SNES Classic. You guys know that one? The little mini SNES that just came out last week? Yes. Yeah. I went and waited in line. You told us about this already last I week. I did? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm still obsessed, baby. You're recycling it, man. All right. All right PS4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were talking about Street Fighter. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then, uh, Damn. How about the NES classic? Huh? That, that one came up before we started the podcast. I could talk about that one. All right, somebody else go first. I'll think of something right. to obsess about. I have one, and this is a repeat. Uh, it's the, <laughs> so it's, is mine. Yeah, but <laughs> this is for a different reason. <laughs> okay. Um, it's uh, Sebastian Studio on Instagram. So I've mentioned this guy before because of his uh, sort of designs and his sort of furniture pieces that he's done. But lately, he's been doing more videos where he takes a really strong stance and talks about how he sort of sees uh, social media as being problematic for designers and creatives, and that he's, it's creating sort of a visual gluttony, that people are just consuming so much visual information that uh, they're not even doing enough stuff. They're just sort of randomly compiling it, and they, they're, they're consuming more than they can utilize. Um, and he is incredibly eloquent about it, uh, really smart, um, and uh, has, has given some very quick little uh, talks about it. He's also got a great sense of humor. Um, some of his project posts are, are incredibly, like sort of like one line, they're almost like a three-dimensional sort of uh, comic. Um, but yeah, Sebastian Studio on Instagram. And uh, I don't agree with all of his points, but they're interesting points, and they're points that makes me think which is uh, which I think is incredibly important because I I tend to like to consume lots. So when I when I when I heard this uh, when I, when I first heard him talk about it, there's an initial reaction in me that was a little bit defensive because he was describing a behavior that I do and that works for me. And <laughs> uh, if we see one thing going on in the country is that you know people love to sort of argue right now, probably more than ever. Um, but it was clear that he wasn't saying this to be hurtful or he wasn't saying this to be critical. He was saying this out of a point of concern. 
And when I was able to sort of like take a breath and be like, no, of course he's not talking directly to me. That's right. That reaction is happening. That sort of critical reaction is my own doubting of it because this person is making a really good argument. And then sort of remembering that I only have something to gain. If I'm already satisfied in what I'm doing and I'll keep doing it anyways, like what, yeah. <laughs> what, what hurt is there to listen to a contrarian opinion? So, um, what was it called one more time? Sebastian Studio on Instagram. Okay, cool. I'll link that down in the description. Yeah, his last name is uh, Irazuriz. Um, he's brilliant. So yeah, my initial reaction was like, oh, he's attacking a behavior that works for me. Like, he must be wrong. But then I listened to him more. Like, no, he's he's concise. And it doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. It, he doesn't have to be right. And that means I'm wrong. It means it can be these things work for different people. Or it means that he, what he's observing is true, but it might not actually be good or bad. But he might still be observing a true phenomena. It's like climate change. You could argue whether it's getting warmer or colder or whatever it is. The interesting thing would be whether or not you actually believe that there is sort of human-related uh, impact rather than getting caught up in the warmer or colder part. And yeah. what, he, uh, what the, the valid point that he's making that I was really appreciative of was that the amount of visual media that we consume certainly impacts us as a designer. Yeah, definitely. Now, we can create, all, there's a million smart arguments you can make how that's a great thing, and there's a million arguments you can make how that's a terrible thing. And a lot of those arguments could be equally right at the same time. So what you're saying is there might be a little bit of gray area. Hey, <laughs> no. there we go. I'm saying, the name there's, of this episode? I'm saying there's an opportunity to challenge yourself and to learn from it and to do that. I like it. All right, so last week, couldn't remember his name. The Street Fighter character guy, his name is Akuma, A-K-U-M-A. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. He's a, yeah, that's like a much later. like the version. bad guy, Ryu. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to clear that up for everybody. I think he I came out in maybe Street Fighter Alpha. Most people were probably tuning into this episode just to figure that out. So you're welcome, everybody. Um, but my shout-outs for this week, or my obsession, sorry. We were talking about Netflix series being good, and it was ironic because my number one pick this week is American Vandal. Have you all heard of this? It's a Netflix series. Oh, isn't it kind of like a parody of yeah. like serial, but like it's like a low stakes crime? Yeah. So Ooh, I gotta watch this. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the the briefest description I can. Is there's okay. this kid? He's a bad kid in school. Just generally gets in trouble a lot, and they framed. They framed him for like spray painting dicks on like 20 of teachers' cars. <laughs> but the beauty of it, <laughs> the beauty of this is it's like, it's like six, eight episodes, but the actual mystery and the, the, the whole like crime aspect of it, even though it's about spray painting dicks, is freaking, uh -huh. it's, it pulls you in. So <laughs> no, no pun intended. <laughs> So anyways, Wait, I got to check that one out. That, that, that reminds me. Uh, did I ever tell you about the time I got arrested for Grand Theft Agriculture? Grand Theft no. Agriculture? Did you steal a tractor? Uh, a carrot. <laughs> no, we stole over $5,000 worth of pumpkins when Whoa. I was like in high school. Yeah, uh, we got in let's, trouble. Let's hear You're it. You're going to need a tractor for that. Story time with Ben. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, a bunch of kids that we, I think it was like after like a football game. <laughs> Grand um, Theft Agriculture. Yeah. So I went to high school, uh, uh, played football, went to, uh, it was a pretty small high school. I think there's like 200 people or so in our, in our graduating class. And it was, uh, we got, we were driving around in like my friend's van. We we're going to like a party. Uh, I think we were coming back from a party actually. 
and we drove by this just giant field full of pumpkins and we got this idea that we wanted to see like a pumpkin avalanche so we made like three trips with the van and just loaded it up with pumpkins and there's probably like six of us in there uh and we put them all on the top of this hill, uh, this like street, and then just like created this like avalanche of pumpkins just like rolling down. And we were just like laughing, it was great. And then they dropped me off home first because I lived the, the closest to that area. And then like I went to bed, didn't think anything of it. And then they were dropping other people off and they uh, got pulled over by the authorities. Um, mm. And two of the girls you know, sort of broke down and like, no, like my guy friends all said like, oh yeah, it was just us. And then the, the girls like started confessing uh, everything yeah yeah ratting me out caught orange handed uh, so yeah we all got we all got arrested and uh you know we got a lot of community <laughs> service we were able to, to, to plead down we, we apologized to the people made restitution all those things mm-hmm. um you know realized the error of our ways and also the funniest part is that there was like it ended up being on like the local news nope. and, nice human uh, interest story yeah and there was like surveillance and this was back when like surveillance cameras were not common uh, there's like surveillance cameras of us like stumbling around like carrying like really giant pumpkins like falling over <laughs> like laughing Loading at each them other into an astral like, really grainy uh, footage and it was on the local news as the pumpkin bandits let's <laughs> see if we can find that on youtube <laughs> yeah. hashtag pumpkin bandits. it's gotta be it's gotta be out there on the internet so, yeah, somewhere it got pleaded yeah. down to a misdemeanor and then got like a sponge because everyone was young that's funny anyway so that show it stars a guy jimmy tetro who's also a YouTuber turned Hollywood actor, so turn Netflixer. Support the people. Support uh support the people. I don't know the people. Support the people. Yeah. Anyways, I was gonna have another one. If I think about it, I'll I'll interrupt. Chris, what's your yeah. actual obsession? Mine is. Have you guys heard of this NES cl- or SNES classic? <laughs> no. um, Wait, is that the one that's got all the games on it? Oh yeah, and it's small. It's got Street Fighter Two. There's a guy named Akuma. Um, no, but I, actually, I I still don't have one. I wasn't thinking of it. Sorry. But I did kind of have a thought while you guys were talking. You guys were talking about tech things. Yeah. And I was kind of remembering a thought that was in the back of my head when I was out there alone with my thoughts sand in the other night. I don't know why I thought this, but I started thinking, is Amazon bad for us? And so this is how I thought of it. Because, you know, as when you're doing this kind of thing, you tend to make some money through Amazon. I was about to say, no, we do affiliate links. It can't be bad. Exactly. Okay. So we, one of the options is to get paid in Amazon credit, basically, right? Or you can get regular money, but you get a little bit less. And I thought, I have like absolutely no problem with being paid all in Amazon money because it's that useful. This and is that do. a sign that it's bad for the economy? <laughs> this is what they used to do on like railroad companies to basically have like yeah. indentured servants. The company servants. store. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's, honestly, I probably spend enough money on Amazon oh, yeah. to be worth it. That's what I'm saying. That's how huge of an economy it is, is that yeah. you're totally fine. It's, it's become on par with money. Yeah. Amazon dollars is equal That's kind to of a scary or more thought than when just you think normal about dollars. It. Well, speaking of that, uh, I started doing posting on Amazon Spark. Oh, um, yeah. Ooh, let's plug that, guys, because we're, we're, we're all doing it. We're all doing it. We're all doing it. So first, there's a, I listened to a podcast with Bill Simmons and Malcolm Gladwell's on the Bill Simmons podcast where they actually discussed that, whether or not Amazon's too big. Mm-hmm. Um, and Malcolm Gladwell had a really interesting point is when, they, when the question was first brought up, I'm like, that's absurd. Of course, they're just crushing it. They're super efficient. That's... You know, leave right. them alone. Like they're, they're doing they're good. It. They're providing a great service. I have a great time with Amazon. 
uh-huh. but he brought it up from more of a of sort of like a, from a historical perspective, right? He's like, would any, does anyone now think that it was a bad idea that Standard Oil was broken up, or that AT and T was broken up? And once he was phrased in that way, taken out of the immediacy, and you look back, you're like, oh no, that those right. things were very arguably important and good and allowed the overall economy to flourish uh, uh, because of it. I'm not an economist. I'm not a historian. I'm not a business expert. Um, so I don't have strong opinions, but it was just interesting to hear that sort of how, how differently you could think about it when it was framed sort of historically. Was, uh, that being said, I got to check out that episode. But the good thing about Amazon is it's like they're yep. doing good for the consumer rather than doing good for themselves, even though it's well, know, I think that's how it always consumer. is. So it's like it's good until it's not good for like the consumer. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to a point. Yeah, <laughs> until no one else can sell anything but Amazon, I guess. Right, and I'm I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I'm just thinking I was I was thinking about that, and I thought, wow, that's pretty crazy that their credit is basically as good as money in my head. Yeah, that's a a pretty wild thought. Like you know, Applebee's gift certificates would not be close to as good as money in my head. Or like how you can, or you buy like an Amazon gift card for a hundred bucks and you get 10 bucks free. Every time they send me that email, I do it because I know I'm going to at least spend a hundred bucks yeah, at Amazon bucks. in the next few weeks. So okay, speaking, speaking of Amazon though, I ordered those dowels that you sort of recommended. Yeah. Oh, and I, I I'm $10 million. Sorry. No, no, no. It's a five pack, but it's 50 bucks. So they're about 10 bucks a piece. I was, yeah. I said five still pack a for deal. 30 something, but still great deal. Yeah. You had it as a 50-pack for five bucks. <laughs> no. But Ben, what were you saying? No, I was just letting you know that I ordered them. And they weren't quite the deal that you said. <laughs> they were Still good. But they still were close. Good. I know. I uh, just It was off the top of my head. I didn't remember for sure. But uh, on to Amazon Spark. So Amazon Spark is like a new, I want to say it's a it's sort of a platform, but it's more of a new initiative that they're, they're pushing out there. Yeah. And it's somewhere like a combination between Instagram and Pinterest. And you can access it uh, via mobile. I think it's primarily app-based. Yes. So if you go on your, if you have Amazon Prime, if you go into that and open it up and look under like programs and look for Spark, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty cool. I get a lot of questions about where I got this stuff. And so I've been posting images of my projects and then tagging, same way you would tag an image on Instagram, you yep. can tag the products, uh, the products instead in of people. Them. So like whenever I post those like little concrete Star Wars things, people go, where'd you get those molds? So it's cool because I can post like an image of the finished thing and then tag the product right into that. And people scrolling around on that can immediately see sort of like DIY projects and the things, the catalyst or the critical uh, products that are sort of in them. Yeah. Or if you're doing some kind of like process picture, you can link the tool or like the weird kind of like accessory that you've got to use to get the project done. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's and like everything Amazon does, it's works really well. It's very efficient and Mm -hmm. uh, it works really well with their affiliate program. So if you're an influence out there, it's a really interesting way to sort of uh, monetize image content. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. We all are pretty good at monetizing video content. I would say most of us don't monetize our Instagram nearly to the same degree that we do our YouTube. And this is a platform that lets you sort of monetize still image content uh, quite easily, uh, Mm -hmm. especially if you have a library built up of it. And you can just link right to your order history and search your order history and then just like tag it with like searchable links and stuff. Yeah. And the beauty of it, though, from the from the consumer side, like, you know, if being a non influencer is it's great because, yeah, if you want to see what people are using, you can you can click the image and then all the links pop up. But just scrolling through Mm -hmm. and just looking at pictures, you know, before you 
click them or anything like that. There's no like pop-ups or there's no yeah. links everywhere or stuff like that. It's, it's really like looking clean to Instagram. scroll and browse through. But it's just if you're interested in finding out more about like what he's using or what this person's using, you can click the picture and then the little blurbs pop up. So I right. actually posted a picture of you, Mike, in it. Hey, oh, hey. where can you buy them? I, 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 yeah. The pictures. Uh, <laughs> no, it was because uh, like the 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 shirt I was wearing is available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to try this. First post in a men's fashion category, me and Mike. There we go. <clears throat> Breaking we're, ground. We're fashion models now. Watch out. Fashionistas. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I'll add just so that we don't get this question or comment a bunch, but I think right now it's only available for iOS. Isn't it only available to Prime subscribers? That might yeah. be true too, but yes. I think that okay. they, it's not on Android yet and it, it's getting re- – because it's kind of still in a beta phase, but right. it will be available eventually. I don't and think they've also, gone to like full launch yet, have they with no, it? No. No, they're still I don't kind think of so, but I think mode. anybody – yeah, you can still go look at it and use it though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but – and also I, I had this problem. Was I hadn't updated my app yet, so I was clicking on it and it wasn't doing anything. So if you do that, just check your updates and make sure it's up to date. So if you guys want to follow us on Amazon Spark, you can find me by searching Modern Builds, not Mike Montgomery, even though I just said that I am Mike Montgomery on there. The whole searching and finding people thing is still a little rudimentary. It's a new so, yeah, It's in exactly. its infancy. And exactly. for me, if you search DIY concrete, surprise, um, you'll probably <laughs> find some of my stuff. And for me, this is Chris. You can search Picture Wall, and I should come up as the top post. There you go. So, so yeah, find us, follow yeah. us. And uh, post Tell us what you think. I yeah. mean, heck, yeah. And also, like, this is a new platform. So it's like, I wish I would have gotten started on Pinterest and Instagram a lot sooner. So anytime, like, a new platform comes out, particularly one that's supported by a deep-pocketed organization like Amazon, doesn't hurt to invest Being a early little adopter. bit of time and put in, like, an hour or a week or something like that into it just to see where it goes. Exactly. And just know that you got in on the ground floor. Exactly. All right. So what... uh. What's next? Oh, so one of the things that uh, I just talked to the people over at WorkbenchCon, which is uh-huh. uh, uh, everyone should be checking out. Um, and one of the things that they uh, did is sort of so t- uh, there's still places available, but I think they're going to raise prices. So like the early pricing mm. is going to end. And also all of our slots for our sort of uh, components are starting to get uh, filled. Good news. Thanks, everybody. That's sweet. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. One of the things they did offer uh, is uh, if you want to have sort of like one-on-one t- uh, time with the, the three of us where you want to sit down and sort of pick our brains, have us go over your, you know, your woodworking and your design work or your YouTube channel and get our input, just you sort of like one-on-one with, with uh, the three of us, uh, there's still five more spots of that available. So the next five people that sign up uh, for the workbench con with the code modern promo code modern get those last five spots that are available so that means we'll sit down with you for half an hour and go over whatever sort of work that you want and give you all of our expertise across promotion social media design making woodworking whatever no extra charge right nope it's all that's all included but there's just Boom. limited spots with the this obviously because there's only so much of us there's only so exactly. much of us to go around. Awesome. So, cool. Yeah. So go sign up to that. The link is on our Instagram if you want to find that. I'll also put it in the description of the podcast, but I don't I don't think those links are clickable, which is kind of inconvenient. Yeah. But 
if you want just at modern maker podcast it'll be in the description or the bio so yeah yep all right thanks everybody for listening we're gonna cut it here does that sound good yeah okay cool we're running long we gotta cut it (laughs) so thanks a lot for listening i hope you guys enjoyed this episode if you have any cool topic ideas any questions be sure and either hit us up on instagram at modern maker podcast or you can do that individually at Modern Builds, at Benjamin Ueda, and at Four Eyes Furniture. And if you want to give us a review, we love that. Um, I don't want to give go into it a bunch, but basically, it just lets the podcast app know that we're a good podcast and that they should suggest it to other people. So if you want to help us out, that's really the best way you can do it on an individual level. Aside from that, I hope you guys have a re- great rest of your week, and we'll see you on Thursday with the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Later. Later.